0: Hello everyone and welcome to a quick episode of Today in Space before Artemis 1. So I'm here on on Merritt Island in Florida. I got in on Saturday morning and was kind of just a whirlwind of like getting here. You know, this is the first time I've traveled since, well, on a plane, since the last time I was here for CRS uh, nineteen back in December of 2019 before the world changed so I have been going through some changes now <laughs> it's just been a lot uh, a lot of change but I was able to go out and we were lucky enough that on Saturday night there was a SpaceX Falcon 9 launch it was a Starlink mission they launched a whole bunch of Starlinks into orbit to help add to the constellation which is providing internet to uh, everyone around the globe but specifically people that don't have access to the internet and uh you know this comes in the wake of that t-mobile announcement that they're partnering up as like a technology demonstration where starlink and t-mobile are going to offer the starlink capability via 5g to t-mobile customers and they're even inviting other carriers which is kind of a big move it's it's a as they're calling it a technology partnership. So uh, that's something to pay attention to and and think about as we move forward here. Um, you know I think the subtle thing there that they talked about in the presentation was that Starlink satellites, I mean, the Starlink service, you know, what it's going to be able to do is provide uh, generally very decent <laughs> coverage. Uh, cell coverage to send texts, to send video, to send calls, and uh, even potentially some video. But it's not really meant for like what's going to happen with Artemis One, where there's a tr- <laughs> there are a ton of people all in one place, probably trying to use their phone to either stream or maybe they'll just record. But everyone's using service. There's like that would not be good for this type of Starlink service. But it's it's to the idea is to ab- to enable a large swath of area that has zero coverage to have very good coverage um no matter where you are on the planet so it's a, it's a really cool space application i think that's something that will in the future here really change things it's so early that i don't think it you know i don't think anyone really understands <laughs> what what the full reaching uh capabilities of all of that is but uh, yeah, we're here for Artemis 1. I. I went to Jetty Park yesterday, and today I'm going to try and make my way out to Playa Linda to see kind of which place makes the most sense. I'm trying to balance a mix of having the best view so that, you know, the, I picked up this, it's basically like a birdwatcher lens that actually attaches to my camera. And so it's able to give me forty to sixty times more zoom on my camera, and so I did a little bit of that last night um granted, it was just me kind of playing around with everything but i you know i'm I'm excited to set up there's a lot to do um, and I'm just getting ready for that so I went on my walk, so this this episode will uh, will end with a walk and talk here. Most of the, well, the talks you're going to hear are from back in Massachusetts, but right now I'm sitting in the backyard of uh, a friend's place enjoying the Florida weather. It is hot, it is humid, but right now the clouds are uh, mostly at bay, although it looks like closer to the mainland, <laughs> Um The the clouds are starting to darken a little bit. But that's going to be this week. That's going to be Artemis. So for the Artemis one launch, it's going to have a two-hour window on Monday, 8.33 to 10.33 Eastern time. I will probably be getting up around 4 o'clock to beat the traffic. Right now, the estimates are anywhere from 200,000 to 500,000. In attendance, um, that is going to be a lot of people. I've heard from a lot of the folks I've talked to who work around here, who live around here, that that is going to be a nightmare. <laughs> um, and, you know, if if you have to do anything from 5 to 8 a.m., it's, it's going to be uh, a, a complete shit show. <laughs> so uh, I will be getting up early to do that. And... The one thing that happened yesterday, so to give you an idea of how the weather has been today, uh, this week so far, so for the SpaceX launch, that ended up getting delayed at the early launch window, which would have been, I th- believe, broadcast started at 10.15, so I think the launch would have been 10.30-ish. It ended up getting pushed to 11.30. And, you know, that was because the, you know, SpaceX is a different thing where they have to also make sure that recovery... Is also very acceptable for weather and for all that stuff, but um, for the NASA launch, the good thing about this early launch window is that for you know from eight to ten, that's going to give you know the, everything's going to heat up, but maybe not necessarily thunderstorms developing in that amount of time before it gets really hot. Uh, like it's starting to right now. I'm recording this at 10.45, so on the other end of what would be that launch window. And, you know, you can already see things starting to get uh, more thunderstormy. So (laughs) that's a scientific term. So very excited to be here. Uh, Watching the Falcon 9 launch last night was kind of magical because I kind of just pulled over on the A1A Highway, on, on they have these little, if you've never been to Florida, there's a lot of these little pull-offs on the highways, uh, of these bridges that go between, you know, Merritt Island and, and all these, these different places where, you know, the NASA Causeway, where you can pull over and, uh, you know, there's a little nook, you go between the trees, you pull up your car and you get out and you watch these launches because it's, you know, it's flat. Florida it doesn't have hills. It's not like it's not like other places so you can really catch things from really far away it was cool to see the SLS just like uh, spotlighted and sitting there on the pad amidst all the thunderstorms you know they have on the pad capabilities to prevent lightning strikes from destroying the rocket and the pad so it was cool to see all of that on display it's really magical I, I really love this area uh, if, if you know it's definitely on the list of you know theoretical places to move to for rocket launches i mean this place this place is in high gear you know even compared to where it was in 2019 uh, back then as far as space launches are concerned as far as livelihood and i shouldn't say livelihood uh, yeah, as far as the space community is concerned it is but it's Really magical. I can only imagine what the early Apollo days must have been like, and how many people were interested. We we we've reached this point where now everyone knows that NASA is going back to the moon, finally, finally. And I mean, we're talking as the the earliest date I can I can think of for when SLS was supposed to launch was twenty sixteen. I believe it might have been 2012, but 2016 is the one that I, I remember and I, I know off from from my research as being the last kind of, well, the first real year that they were going to launch this. So six years later, Artemis is on the pad. We're going to be fighting thunderstorms this week, but it's it's here. And I, uh, I'm excited that so many people are are excited for this launch and are looking forward to it. And I've also been interested to hear all the questions of why? Why am I only hearing about this? Why is this something that I didn't know of? You know, especially people who grew up with the Apollo program and the Saturn V, folks who are part of the L five community. You know, like like original space folks, and they they are just getting into this. And part of that, as we've talked about ad nauseum. Is that it just took way longer than anyone ever expected to get this rocket out there. You know, uh, the SLS in 2012 and 2016, as a expendable rocket, would have looked like something that would have been worth all the excess money if it had flown on time and it had started the missions to, to get us back to the moon and beyond. It did not. And now, you know, we, we had an appetizer of the Falcon 9 launch. And... You know that that so reused rocket, and not only that, it's a rocket that, uh, as a, a, almost a year ago, I believe it is, uh, came back to the launch pad after getting recovered, and it had it had busted legs. It was coming back on the drone ship at a tilt, so something was damaged. Which means they had to repair the Falcon 9 rocket to get it back out to the pad to launch and then recover successfully again and that's that to me is a huge huge thing not only for SpaceX even though they're they're routine and you know they they do what they do best and it it's also just goes to show you that a lot of the restraint that you know older NASA and you know it's not just NASA the older space industry had against things like repairing uh, rockets, or if something's not perfect, we don't do it. They're showing us that there's so much more of a margin for what a rocket can do and what it's capable of doing, and what it's capable of doing repeatedly. And I, I love the juxtaposition of the two types of space technology right now. Um, I'm looking forward to see SLS, it's going to be the most powerful rocket Ever made 8.8 million pounds of thrust, and it's more than the Saturn V. It's a lot more than the Space Shuttle, and it's definitely a lot more than the Falcon 9. So it's going to be a sight. I'm really, really looking forward to it. Now I just have to get my butt out there um, and and check it out. But enjoy the rest of this episode. This is some spacewalk and talk. We're talking about the first all female spacewalk, and also just more on the idea of setting humans back into space and what that means, so uh, thank you for joining us uh, as always if you want to help support us. one of the biggest ways you can do that uh, for free is to subscribe to the podcast whether you 're listening on Apple podcasts, following us on Spotify, subscribing to us on YouTube, um, and then sharing the word you know spreading the word you know if you 've got anyone who 's even remotely interested in space or really feels like they can't get into space because it's too technical, please send them our way. Let them know about us. Um, Appreciate everyone that does. And of course, there's other ways that you can support us if you want to go the extra mile to help us fund things like this that help bring us down to Florida for these kinds of launches. And that is through our... 3D Printing Company, AG3D. Uh, There you can, if you want to 3D print something for yourself, a project at home, some custom thing that you only need one, five, ten of, you know, you don't need to go buy a tool to, to go make it, that's hundreds of thousands of dollars. If you have an idea, a business you're trying to start, or even just a cool gift for somebody, that's what we do best here at AG3D. We'll help you guide you through the process, we'll help you find the right 3D printing process for what you're looking for, and if you're trying to start a business and you're trying to scale up, we can help you with those early stages. And even up to the point where we can figure out, you know, hey, if we need to injection mold something, we can make a 3D printed mold and get that product uh, out in larger quantities. So there's, there's a lot of things that we're able to do, but also if you're just interested in getting into 3D printing, You can check out our Instagram page at ag 3 d Printing. That's where we have a ton of our 3D printing projects. Um, Of course, at Today in Space Pod has some of our stuff as well. We've we've done our James Webb Space Telescope Coaster as well as our James Webb Space Telescope uh, model. And we're going to do a lot more here in the future. I'm sure there will be an SLS (laughs) in the nearby future as well and an Orion capsule. But uh, those are some great ways to help support us. And uh, as always, spread love and spread science and please enjoy the rest of the show. And here's to the beginning of Artemis. Thanks for joining us. All right, another spacewalking talk. I was thinking of a few other names. You guys let me know what you think. And of course, if you have any good names for it, let me know. But uh, spacewalking wasn't bad. I was like, okay, that's pretty good. Then we can go real boss and go, "Hey, I'm spacewalking here." You know? Maybe it's a little New York, who knows. <laughs> that's what I'm that's what I'm rolling with here. So spacewalk and talk. This is probably going to be my last one before I leave for Florida, but we'll see. But I'm getting ready for Artemis. I'm getting excited. As far as this mission, you know, it's not it's not going to have any EVA's. There's not going to be humans on board, but there will be two dummy astronauts on board filled with sensors and data, they're going to be suited up just like the astronauts would be. And we learn more about that. Because the other thing about going to the moon is that means you have to enter and go through the Van Allen belt, that belt of radiation that we need to make sure to time just like weather here on Earth, don't want to fly when the weather's crappy. Same thing with radiation, you don't want to just expose the radiation for no reason. So excited on that. All right, so another spacewalk and talk. We'll talk about the first all-female extravehicular activity on the International Space Station. The first all-female spacewalk was with Christina Koch and Jessica Meir. Both amazing astronauts who, if I'm not mistaken, are both in the running for the Artemis mission so you may even hear those names very soon there's also going to be a lot of missions uh, there's going to be a lot of spots open even before the landing on the moon so look out for Christina Koch astronaut Christina Koch and astronaut Jessica Mir but it's interesting just to give you guys a perspective of like how different things are you know this was a few years back and the original all-female spacewalk didn't happen because the spacesuits that they had on board didn't accommodate both astronauts because you don't want to wear a spacesuit that doesn't fit well. It's not going to perform like you want it to. And that's even if you can fit into it, right? So that first one was postponed and there was a lot of anger on Space Twitter, rightfully so, Because if having the first all-female spacewalk was priority for NASA in the mission planning and all of that stuff, they wouldn't have missed that. Now, I understand that it's a giant, complex coordination that we've had to keep continued human presence on the space station a thing. And maybe that's not on the list of things at that time that were the most important But now with the Artemis generation, with everything that this whole next generation of space travel is supposed to do, with human spaceflight, send the first woman, first person of color to the surface of the moon, it's good that they fixed that on the next attempt and they were able to have and, and they were able to get more coverage, they were able to share that message out there. That there was the all the first all-female spacewalk of all time, you know, and that this is a short <laughs> segue here from NASA about NASA and how challenging it is that what uh, uh, what they're doing, right? They, you know, once the space shuttle retired, talk about this a lot. People didn't even think that NASA still existed. I, as someone who was getting an aerospace engineering degree, was asked, oh, well, where are you going to work if NASA doesn't, if NASA doesn't exist anymore? And when I started the podcast, I started getting that answer, that question a lot more. It's 2014, 2015. It's not even that long ago. Where people were still unaware that NASA still existed after the space shuttle. So NASA has to do all these technical things, achieve all these technical things, in this case send humans back to the moon to stay this time and then to keep that a sustained thing like the space station, do they have the capabilities to really have great messaging and promote it out to everybody else? And I would say the short answer is that no, NASA's marketing has not really been used to its fullest. There are people still today that are only just, and granted, NASA's gotten a lot better with this, and I've met some of the people who are on the team and I know they're doing their best with this. But it's a massive undertaking to try and get people to pay attention to this amazing new thing we're doing. Now that a rocket's on the pad and is gonna launch next week, there is this feeling that people are wondering why did it take so long? Why why have I not heard from NASA? in years why are we only just going back to the moon now all of the stuff that people had missed out on because for all intents and purposes for the public the space program was not in their daily lives like they're only just catching up to the fact that we have had a long period of drought in the space agency and that is changing and we're at this like using this word precipice. I hope I'm using that right. (laughs) We're at this point where all this stuff is culminating, all the space progress is coming together. We're at this point where now people are starting to pay attention to the Artemis generation and whatever form that's gonna take. But it's exciting. The, all, the, the all-female spacewalk was exciting. We did an episode, if you guys want to check that out, covering that. If you want to learn more about it, we did a segment just about both those astronauts and a little bit of their background. And get excited. There's more of that to come. But uh, as far as the balance on my end, I've continued with the Wim Hof breathing method and my walks, Clearly. And it's interesting. I'm at that point where I kind of like in the first week had a lot of promise, was able to see a lot of differences, a lot of changes. My body's already starting to adapt and I'm actually struggling to get back to that minute and a half mark, but that's okay. Like it's not just going to be a linear or exponential increase of like me doing this stuff. So, you know. Got body got the initial shock of all that oxygen from the breathing method. <laughs> and now I'm, I'm more active. I'm, it's, it's actually really motivating me to do more walks and to be more physical. And I'm sure my body's also trying to recover as well. So I need to do more research into the actual science behind the method, which he actually has a great link on his website, Wim Hof's web, website about the science. Because I, I want to understand more about what i 'm feeling with my body and what the science is behind that. Um, that just gives me a better idea of my expectations right understanding the fundamentals behind it like more oxygen in your blood means more energy, more healing these types of things again, I still need to do my research on it, but I can already see the results so and it 's kind of it 's kind of like that in life honestly sometimes there 's things that there are scientific things that have been looked at and tested, and they, they become common knowledge for everybody. And then there's stuff, bleeding-edge stuff, that you can still see results and not fully understand everything that's happening. And whether that's a placebo effect or the actual effect of whatever's going on, Man, if you have a placebo effect that gives you a benefit out of nothing, you won the lottery. You know, I think a lot of people try to demonize a placebo effect. If you have one, use it. Placebos are superpowers. That's my rant. I also have an update on the Wim Hof breathing method that I've been doing. 30 breaths in and out fully, and then holding for a minute, then a minute and a half. And a second minute and a half. I was talking about earlier last week that I was running into issues, struggling, trying to actually get to that right. You know, I was I was doing really well in the beginning, like most things that we try. I was doing well in the beginning and then felt like I was starting to slip off. So I was trying to figure out what did I do differently. And this other day, let's say it's Tuesday night. So it's just over a week of me doing this. I realized that I was just over, trying to over-breathe, you know, doing way too much physical motion and not actually focusing on breathing fully in and fully out based on whatever my body can do, not off some old memory of what I used to do as a teenager or something like that the last time I was in, in shape, you know, like, oh yeah, I could really, could really breathe, but when I focused on just what I was physically capable to do, capable of doing, the first one felt a little tight. The breathing was a little restricted, but I was able to hold for that full minute. And it felt more like calmly holding my breath than my body feeling like it needed to breathe. And still uncomfortable for the first one. The second one, I went through the minute and 30 almost effortlessly. And I felt like I was breathing more deeply and I was using the last 10 breaths as my chance to really breathe instead of the whole time. And I was just listening to my body. If it was restricted, I breathed in as much as possible. I breathed out as much as possible. So the moral of the story, which is <laughs> is the moral of the story for most of the things when I try for the first time, is you can put too much effort into something very simple, especially if you're not focusing on it. So. When I was actually focused, things went extremely well, so I'm excited to keep testing that theory see how it goes but it's, it's also just a great reminder of like when these astronauts go on these EVAs they're not going in surprised at, at option A, option B even option C you know, you're definitely not going to get 100%, you're not going to be able to know everything that could happen But, if you can guess 95% and know all your different options for what's available to you, you can then make the decision in the moment, instead of spending all that mental energy worrying about what could be, what could go wrong. You know, if you plan as well as you can, and you take action on it, you're in a much better spot than most people, so... I'm looking forward to what these human spaceflight missions bring and show us the capabilities of human beings. And I'm excited to learn more about people on Earth who've started to untap our potential, like Wim Hof. So, that's it for space walk and Talk.